In these past few weeks, we've been looking at kind of the different dimensions of discipleship, and we've been asking the question, how can we be a source of grace and peace in a society that is becoming more and more angry and divided and filled with vitriol, with vitriols like this bitter acid, and we just see this all around us, and we, we began by saying, how can we as disciples really be this agent of grace, of the love of Jesus Christ? And we, we talked about, we began by looking at a disciple's perspective, and we talked about having a biblical worldview, that it starts with, with understanding that, that, that any form of, any way that we engage the, the world with the gospel, we must understand how to look at the world through the lens of God's word, and his gospel. We looked at the, the disciples' identity and we saw that we are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we must look at ourselves as missionaries, bringing the living hope of Jesus into really a foreign land. But this is a foreign land. We looked at the importance of the love of Jesus Christ, that the gospel, uh, this is the way the gospel will break down uh, the, sat- the lies of Satan and the, the strongholds of Satan, that this is more than a human love. This is a love of Jesus Christ, so that, that we want every person to be saved because they're created in the image of God, because God loves them so much. Last week we looked at the internet and rather than just focusing on the warnings of the internet, we looked at the opportunities given to us by God in this generation, that we are given an important choice right now that we either can retreat to our own safety zone and our own enjoyment and our own entertainment, or we can engage the world with the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus using the technology, using the things that God has given to our generation. And um, so this is what we want to, as we wrap up this uh, series, we really want to talk about, again, engaging our world, advancing the gospel, that you know all these things that we've talked about, uh, they don't mean anything unless we really just go out and do it, go out and be with people and really be salt and light, really talk about the gospel, talk about Jesus Christ, share the hope that is in us, really live out this mission of Jesus wherever we go. Uh, Pew researchers uh, have found that uh, 45% of those who have a friendship with a, like a, 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 a actual friendship with a Christian. 40, 46% of these people will describe Christianity in positive terms, like they're compassionate, they're principled, they're charitable, they're ethical. That percentage goes down to 14% when somebody has no friendships with Christians. I mean, it's a huge difference. The people who, who, uh, who have who know a Christian in their lives, a friendship, in terms of how they see Christianity, how they see Jesus Christ. And it makes, us very, makes it very clear that we, as believers, we must engage our community for the sake of Jesus. Simply even just making friends, uh, even just sharing that we're followers of Jesus Christ makes a huge difference for the gospel. Now, this is not just friendship evangelism. It's not just being friendly and not just being nice and good, and that's all you have to do. Uh, What this is really saying is that we cannot accomplish God's mission of evangelism at arm's length and say, oh, I'm just going to bring people to, to church and let pastor talk about this, the, 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 uh, the gospel. I'm going to bring them to this event and let somebody else talk to them about the gospel. No, that, that we as individuals together, that, that it's going to involve personal investment. It's going to involve sacrifice, not just and, 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 and service, and not just serving people, but really sacrificing ourselves, both as individuals and as a church together. 
Because we're living in a time when everyone's kind of, we saw, you know, we, we talked about it, everyone's withdrawing into their own camps, right? I'm this, uh, I'm this, are you this, are you that? Uh, and, and we, at this time, instead of withdrawing into our camp of Christianity, we are called to advance. When people are drawing the line and saying, okay, uh, here's the line. Do you believe this? Do you do this? Okay, if you do this, you're on our side. If you don't do, if you do that, you're on that side. And when our world is, is, is drawing that line in the sand, we are the ones that are called to cross over that line. To, to cross over that line between us and them. That there's no more us and them. That there's all of us that need the grace of Jesus Christ right now. In a time when everyone's becoming cautious and careful about every word that they say, everything that they do, because somebody's gonna bring out something, you know, 20 years ago that they put on Twitter or whatever. Well, I don't know if Twitter was around 20 years ago, but let's say 10 years ago that they put on Twitter and they're so cautious now. Well, what if I say something and, and, and somebody brings it up 10 years from now and I'm gonna be in big trouble? Everyone's so afraid. God is calling us right now to be a courageous, to be bold for Jesus. Jesus Christ to to speak for him Jesus is calling us on mission to engage our world for the gospel of Jesus Christ right now where you're at with whatever you have without fear turn to John we're gonna be looking at John chapter 16 verse 32 John chapter 16 verse 32 now let's go ahead and let's stand in reverence to the word of God verse 32 these are the words of Jesus behold the hour is coming and indeed it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and you will leave me alone yet I am not alone for the father is with me I've said these things to you that in me you might have peace you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take heart for I have overcome the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. From this passage, we're gonna see that in this angry world, God is calling us to act with courage because Jesus has the victory. We know that Jesus has the victory. John 16, this is near the end of Jesus' ministry to his disciples. Uh, this is the end of, of his formal discipleship, and he's about to, to die, and he's gonna be sending them out on a life-changing, world-changing task of mission. And these are the final words of the final discourse that Jesus gives to the disciples before going to the cross. And Jesus is not giving like some pep talk, like a football coach, you know, every once in a while they'll say, you know, uh, uh, you'll, you'll hear these coaches or these motivational speakers and they'll prepare them and they'll say, oh, you can do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, he is, he, Jesus is preparing the disciples for a very real situation the reality of the situation that they're going to be facing in bringing this love of Jesus Christ to, to, to their world, what it's going to be like, what it's going to cost to them. And unlike even the greatest football coaches or the most inspiring motivational speakers, Jesus can promise them, can guarantee without a doubt that in the end, they will win. They will have the victory. For what they're about to face for the disciples, these are timely words. 
They're, this is what they needed to hear, and, this is, and Jesus knew it. And, and, and these are the words that continue to resonate throughout the history of the church, throughout the ministry and the martyrdom of even the earliest believers to the reformers of, of the 1600s, to many missionaries right now reaching our world today. Uh, even at this moment, this promise continues to abide for us in our time that Jesus has the victory. Now, there are four parts to this particular statement. He says, Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you might have peace, for in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Now, many of you know this verse um, by memory. It's pretty, um, you know, you, you know this, and you may know that song. There's a song that goes with it, Maranatha, it's a Maranatha song. That's how old I am. Um, but we really want to break down these, these, these phrases and understand what Jesus was really saying to the disciples. When we, whenever we say this phrase and when we think of this now, we can think of these things. So uh, verse uh, 33 says, I've said these things to you that in me you might have peace. Now, um, what he is doing here, he is emphasizing the importance with this first phrase, uh, he is emphasizing the importance of mission. The importance of mission. The idea that in me you might have peace, what he is saying is that um, I'm saying these things to you so that your heart will remain unshaken. That you will remain unmoved from the task. That you will stay the course no matter how hard things get. That's what he means by saying that in me you might have peace. Jesus is not just saying, oh, well, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. He's saying that you will stand firm. See, uh, the church represents the rule of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ for the salvation of the world. That's, that's what um, the church means. And, and, and Jesus knows, hey, there's going to be a lot of things in this world that will distract you, combat you, confuse you, discourage you, attract you. But in the end, you must remain unshaken, completely resolved to do that which God has called you to do, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the church, we are called to this hostile territory, right? And, 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 you know, a lot of times people look at it, and I remember in seminary they said this, that, you know, the church is not like a refuge, like we're running away from the enemy and we're hiding in the church. And we're like, oh, it was so hard when I went to work the other day. Uh, this person said this to me, or when I was at school, uh, oh, this person did this to me. And, and then our friends at church go, oh, that's okay, that's okay. We stand, we believe you. Uh, you'll be okay. You can go out and take more abuse and then come back and we'll encourage you again. No, that's not what the church is for. The church is the church is is for uh, is an outpost that that equips us and prepares us and trains us to go into hostile territory, and and take away that territory from the enemy. To go to work and say this territory is no longer Satan's. This belongs to Jesus Christ, and I'm here to speak the name of Jesus. I'm here to be Jesus in this school. I'm here to be Jesus in this neighborhood. I'm here to be Jesus in this family or wherever we're at with whatever opportunity we have. We're here to free people from the oppression of sin, the violence of, of, of Satan on their lives that in every way 
with every opportunity. When we're in church, we make disciples, we nurture, we strengthen hearts so that all of us, when we leave this place, we continue to hold this course. Jesus says that you might have peace, that when you go out there and the storms of life push you around and people intimidate you uh, in, the, in the face of, of opposition, that you will stand firm. The local church without discipleship, uh, the lone Christian, without the local church, without discipleship, the lone Christian cannot uh, really stand in this age of outrage. We need this training. We need one another. We need to be here on Sunday to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be reminded of our vision, to be prepared and equipped so that we can change the, change the world, engage the enemy every week when we step out the door. I mean, if you really look at it, uh, you know, we've got seven day, six days of battle and one day of equi equipping, right? So that's a lot of work. Six days, well, maybe five days if you, if you have Sunday, you know, you, you take a break or whatever, Saturday you take a break, but at least you have five days of battle, fighting hard. And we have one day to come and get equipped and recharged and filled with that spirit so that we go out and we fight and we stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ and we have that courage. Ephesians 3.10 says, God has chosen the church to make known his manifold wisdom. We are the wisdom of God. We show the world the wisdom of God. And he's saying, Jesus saying, may your hearts remain unshaken. No confusion. The ministry of the gospel is your calling above all other things. That's the first thing that Jesus is saying. That in me, you might have peace. Second thing he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. See, Jesus doesn't kind of coddle the disciples saying, yeah, it'd be fine. It, it, it's not that hard, you know? You have these, those friends that, you know, when you're gonna do something really hard and they say, no, don't worry, it's not that bad. It is really bad, you know? It is really hard, just tell me it's hard. Jesus is not telling the disciples, oh, don't worry, it's not that bad. No, it's hard. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. As long as you are in this world, meaning for the entirety of your life, when you give yourselves to this important mission, you will experience tribulation. Not, you might experience some resistance, not, you'll probably be misunderstood and you might have some tribulation because of that. No, tribulation implies intense persecution, hardship, and trials. That's what it is. It's unavoidable. In this world, you have tribulation. We say, why? Why do we have tribulation for? Why didn't everybody love Jesus? Jesus, everybody wants love. So why is it so hard? Well, we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that's broken. We look at the people around us. They're hurting, right? They're hiding. They're, they're protecting. They're medicating. They're doing whatever it takes to find hope and meaning and love in, in a very cold and godless world. And they're broken. And we too, we're broken as well. We're not perfect. We don't know all the answers. We don't always love the way we should. We don't always say the right thing at the right time. And we make mistakes. We make a lot of really, and they're not even mistakes. We just do the wrong thing sometimes. And when broken people engage a broken world, it's not always going to be clean and neat. It's not always going to be easy. But the good news is that God in his grace, he always uses broken people and broken churches to bring the gospel to a broken world. That's what he does. That's how he's done it. And so far, God's been doing a good job. He's been doing a really good job. In the world, you'll face tribulation. Why? Because Satan, 
is not going to just lie down and give up his territory. Right? He's going to fight with everything he has. All of the lies in his arsenal, he's going to throw them at us. Satan fights dirty. He's got centuries of experience in discouraging, disheartening, dissuading Christians from God's victory in Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and Satan's become increasingly desperate. His tactics uh, are, are increasingly desperate because he knows, he knows the end is coming close. Jesus is coming. So Christian, when we experience suffering and struggle, when everybody's not so happy that we're a Christian, when they find out we're a Christian or we do Christian things, do not be surprised. That's what Jesus says. It's kind of cause and effect. It's like the law of gravity. You step off a cliff, you're going to fall. You open your mouth and say anything for the gospel. You try to be faithful for the witness of Jesus Christ in this world. Tribulation going to drop on you like a, a, a rock falls off a cliff because that's just the, the way things work. That's the way of the world. In the world, you have tribulation. But in the midst of these terrible things, Jesus says, but take heart. Take heart. Now, this is more than just Jesus putting his arm around you and saying, take heart, it's not that bad. I mean, it's bad. What he's saying is, act with courage. Act with boldness. Don't shrink back. I tell you, in this world of outrage, one of the, the greatest temptations right now is to shrink back. Right? I mean, when everybody says, oh man, those Christians, I just saw on the news, the Westboro, you know, we talked about that at, at, at uh, ID, right? The Westboro Baptist people holding those signs and we're like, man, with all that going on, I feel like backing off with the love of Christ, backing off a little bit with, you know, Jesus and, and the Bible because, man, things are just so hard right now. Everybody's in a fighting mood. And we don't even get a chance to say anything about Jesus. The minute we say, I'm a Christian, boom, they just slam on you. And we're like, man, it's not worth it. I can't even get a word in. I can't even say anything about the love of Jesus Christ. And I feel like I'm just asking for trouble. And I just don't want to stir things. Maybe I can just be a Christian in silent. And maybe 10 years from now, after everything has calmed down, they'll recognize, oh, remember that guy who never said anything? And now, you know, now everything's okay. And oh, he's a Christian. Oh, we should accept Jesus Christ. No, Jesus says, no, now's the time. Take heart, be bold, step out of the trenches, be bold for the gospel, stand in the face of tribulation and say, Jesus has the victory. God calls us to proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ. It is the news that people in this age of outrage right now, they need to hear it. They need to see it. That is why we meet every Sunday. That is why we do discipleship, training people, equipping people to go to stand for Jesus Christ because it's hard. We want to be a people that follow hard after Jesus Christ. No task too daunting. No sacrifice too great. Jesus completes his charge. 
I say these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. The last one's most important, for I have overcome the world. So in this, this statement, this is the last statement, Jesus is not saying, I will fight for you if you go. He's not saying, I'll back you up all the way. I'll be right behind you. Jesus is not saying, I'll lead you into the thick of the battle. No, Jesus is saying, I have already overcome the world. I have already have acquired the victory. Anything that the world can throw at you, any hardship, any opposition, any trash talk, any accusations, Jesus said, I already overcome it. I don't even need to fight it. I already overcame that. You are mine, and you will not just survive as Christians. You will share in this overcoming, in this victory, whatever the world may do. And we talked about it even just, we saw it even just the hour before. If they burn you at the stake, if they feed you to the wild animals, uh, uh, the world has no power over you. That's why they do these things to you. For I have overcome the world. Satan was defeated on the cross already 2,000 years ago. Satan's already defeated. Satan was condemned already to hell. Satan's that strong man who says, I got this big house and, and you can't come in. And Jesus just walked in, tied him up, took everything and said, I'm not afraid of Jesus at all. I'm not afraid of Satan at all. Satan can beat his chest all he wants, say, this is my house. This is my house. This is my world. Look at all the stuff I got. Jesus walked in and said, tie you up. Take everything you got. You got nothing. You're nothing. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus has overcome and has victory over Satan. Any form of satanic rule, any form of satanic control, any form of things in this world, uh, Jesus said, I got the victory. Tied up the strong man. Plundered everything he has. And now you follow me. And you're more than conquerors. You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You and I have the spirit of Holy Spirit inside us, empowering us, enabling us to live uh, in this mission. Um, behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you be scattered each to his own home, and you will leave me alone, and yet I will not be alone, the Father's with me. And he says very clearly, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace that you'll stay the course. In this world, you have tribulation, but take heart. Don't shrink back, for I have overcome the world. I have the victory. In a world that is at its worst, we live out, you live out your calling to be a Christian at your best in an age of outrage. We really think, you know, sometimes I look at the news, I just get tired. We get tired of the news, right? You're just really tired. People punching out each other, people yelling and screaming, people saying, you know, do you believe this or that, or what do you stand for? We live out our calling to declare the name of Jesus Christ, that he has a victory over all of these things. Now you need to put these words into their immediate context, like what was gonna happen to Jesus. Because in, right after this, okay, right after, this is the, these are the last verse, this is the last verse of chapter 16. And, and, and you know, John chapter 16. So in John chapter 17, it says, verse one, 
when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes and to heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. You have given me authority over all flesh, over all mankind to give eternal life to all that you have given. I've glorified you in heaven. I did everything that you gave me to do on this earth. And now there is one more thing. Glorify me. And this one thing that Jesus is speaking of is uh, he's going to, in the next few hours, an hour or so, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tortured, and he's going to die. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Meaning, if there's any other way, God, any other way, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus stayed the course. He prayed in the garden that night, sweating blood, but yet he had peace, right? He was unshaken, undeterred from the mission that God had called him. In a world which you will have tribulation, the disciples would, in, in, in a moment, in the next day, would see their Lord arrested, beaten, humiliated, paraded in public, carrying his own cross and then crucified while people spit at him, laughed at him. They would see with their very own eyes, the disciples would see with their very own eyes the fury of Satan poured out upon the Son of God. And they too would fear for their lives because they would know that, hey, if this is what the world, this is what the enemy will do to Jesus. You know, what's in store for us? So they know in this world, when Jesus said, if this world, you're gonna have tribulation, and then they see this, they're like, oh my gosh, uh, I didn't realize what this world, I can't believe what this world would do to Jesus. And then maybe they would remember Jesus' words. If anyone would come after me, you would have to pick up their cross and follow me and thinking, wow, now I know. Now I know what Jesus is talking about. And then Jesus says, but, but take heart. You must act courageous. You must continue to carry the work of the king, bringing the gospel to the world. This world that will shout, crucify him. This world will, who, who is so cold that they'll look at a man hanging on a cross and they will laugh at him. They will gamble for his clothing. And these disciples will be hiding in the upper room, not because they're filled with faith praying, but because they're filled with fear and they don't want to die. You say, how are these men bring the gospel to the world if they're terrified just to step out of the room, just to step out of the house they're hiding in? But in three days, they would finally understand that last piece when Jesus says, I have overcome the world, right? The resurrection would be the one thing that would transform these men forever. No more fear. No more fear of the cross. No more fear of the Roman Empire. No more fear of imprisonment. No more fear of persecution. No more fear of anything in this world, any threat. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has the victory. 
They were there in the upper room with him. They ate with him beside the Sea of Galilee, and they watched him ascend to heaven. And they know Jesus has the victory. And Paul would write, we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus has the victory, we have the victory. And we talked in Life Bible class about Ignatius. And he's praying that the brothers of the church will continue in love and unity as he was thrown into the Colosseum to be devoured by wild animals. Polycarp, brought into the Colosseum, heard a voice from heaven to say, be strong. And as he stood before the proconsul, they said, if you renounce Christ, you'll be immediately set free. And Polycarp declared, 86 years I have served Jesus, and he has never did me any injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And he was burned at the stake at that point. Plandina, a slave girl, and this again, I didn't know about her. She refused to renounce her faith. She was just a slave girl in France, hung from a post to be devoured by wild animals. And when it was found that the wild animals would not touch her, which is a miracle, they tied her up, threw her down, and had her trampled to death um, simply because she refused to, refused to deny Jesus. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be bold and stand firm for neither life nor death nor anything else in this world can separate us from the love of God. That's what each of these martyrs would say. So um, as we take communion and we're reminded of the death of Jesus Christ, his body which is broken for us, his blood which was shed on the cross for us, let us also be reminded